Well, good morning and God's blessing to you this morning. It's good to be here with you. I'm excited about being here. Not necessarily up here, but I'm excited about being here. I've uh, known a number of you for a while. My parents have good friends here. In fact, they said last minute, they, oh, they should have come along. But anyway, um, so it's a blessing to be here. And I know there's some youth here that have been involved with our youth and have had influence, and I want to thank you for that. I think friends are vital and important and uh, good for us. Good friend does a lot, of, a lot more than sometimes even mom and dad can. So thank you for that. Said my wife cannot be here this morning. Um, we have a family of five children, two girls and three boys. The oldest is oldest of the girls is married. The two girls are the oldest. Then we have three boys, and uh, the rest are still at home. And so we're enjoying a house full of adults and a growing family and uh, a lot going on, like a lot of you know how that is. <clears throat> but we do feel blessed and encouraged. Thank you for that devotional this morning on fear. I wasn't necessarily so fearful about coming up here, but I was just, the one verse that he shared, I just, in, in Isaiah 41, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand and say unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. And I guess I just feel a need of that, and especially as we think of leadership and bishop responsibilities, I think all of us leaders need that in our hearts. Take my right hand, just as our young child loves to hold dad's hand and walk by dad. That's the kind of leadership we're looking for. We need help. We're just real men, normal men that have struggles, that have issues, and we need help. And, uh, but I'm excited about your bishop ordination. I'm excited about the Church of Jesus. Because that tells me something about the church. It's going forward. It's moving. Something is happening. Are you excited about the church? I'd just like to think about the church a little bit at the beginning here and how God views the church. I have some scriptures here. You don't have to turn there. In Deuteronomy 32, it says, For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land, in a waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. In Zechariah, it says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he, touch, he that toucheth you, toucheth the apple of God's eye. How tender is your eye? It's very tender, isn't it? When something happens to your eye, we're ooh, it's automatically, we're protecting it. It's very tender. It's a special soft spot in God's heart. And he says here that he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of God's eye. So I'm here to say this morning, be careful what you say about your brothers and sisters, about your leadership. It's God's eye. Don't poke your finger in God's eye, so to say. It's special. It's a special part. How special is it for you? 
Isaiah 62, Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. They shall be as stones of a crown, lifted up as an ensign upon his hand, his land. Malachi 3, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Acts 20, which he purchased with his own blood. Ephesians 5, he compares it with a marriage relationship. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Do you think it's special to God? The church? Amen. It is. It's special to God. How do we view church? And church structure. And that's kind of what we're looking at this morning. In a sense, is church structure. So we look at... If we would put it on an organizational chart... Jesus would fill the position of founder, president, CEO, chairman of the board. Is this Dathan's church right now, since he's kind of lead pastor? Or is it Laverne's church or Robbie's church? No. It's Christ's church. Is the Heritage Church Jonathan's church? No. But we kind of make those comments, and I wonder sometimes if it doesn't do something for us more than we realize. I don't know. It's not my church. I don't want it to be my church. It's not about me. It's about our Heavenly Father, Jesus. The church is His body, of which He is the Savior. Sorry. But it is his church, his body of which he is the Savior. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. He desires it to be a a glorious church. But in the church there needs to be structure. He has given offices in the church. Pastor, shepherd, elder, bishop, overseer. Leadership, I believe, is vital to the structure and health of a church. A church without leadership or elders or is quite simply incomplete. Titus 1.5 says, For this cause left I thee in Crete that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. And so what do these elders do? What do these people, what is the responsibility? Well, to care for and protect the church is a large measure of their responsibility. Teaching, Preaching. Hebrews says the leaders of the church as people who are keeping watch over your souls as those that will give an account. There's a responsibility that goes with leadership. They're keeping watch. Responsibility for care of the souls. 
And remember, it says that we need to give an account. So if your leadership is trying to work with a situation, allow them to lead. Allow them to. They're trying to keep watch for your souls. Well, as we think of the role of a bishop and the responsibilities, I don't have just, I have maybe more on leadership than I do just on the bishop itself. Um, I do have some on the bishop at the end more. And also, I'd like to make a few comments at the end, possibly on this uh, account that Dathan read here about Bartimaeus. <clears throat> Timothy 3.1 says, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. How many of you would like to be bishop? It says here that he desires it, desires a good work. It is a good work. But I must say it is a work. It is a work. Maybe it would be easier to say what, what a bishop shouldn't do than what he should. And this is what came to my mind. This is the first thing I wrote down after I got this assignment, and I'm going to read it. Okay, I left it go. I just, what does it mean to be a bishop? How does it look? Responsibilities. And the first thing I wrote down it does not mean that you have the final say, but that you have the responsibility to listen well and then put together what is coming through and show a way forward. And in a nutshell, if that's all I could say this morning, that's, I think I could sit down. Because leadership is not about the person in charge. Leadership, I, I actually have said that I think a leader has less say than the rest of the people. And I say that because if a leader just always has the say, then, then what do other people? A leader's responsibility is to hear and to listen and then to put that together. It's not so much necessarily what he thinks. And especially with his team. I think that's so important, so vital. And we'll talk more about that. But what does leading look like? Well, when you lead, if I'd ask one of the boys if they lead their horse around, how do they lead their horse? What, you get a picture in your mind, right? There's a rope halter and there's a rope and you're leading him. He's following, right? That's leading. What does leading look like? Uh, the initiative in action, an example for others to follow. Another thought is on leading is a position of advantage in a contest, first place. So if you're leading the pack, you're, you're out front, right? You're first place, you've you got to say so, right? Well, this is not what we're looking at this morning, but um, leadership is a process in which an individual influences the behavior and attitudes of other people. Leading by example helps other people see what lies ahead and act swiftly to counter any challenges along the way. And as I was thinking about that, our job is to influence the behavior and attitudes of other people. Um, Maybe if we're not getting the results we want, I was thinking about this in my own life, if we're not getting the results that are, if it's not happening in church or in our leadership like we wished it would, if those people would just straighten up and listen. But what about the leader? Maybe it's the leader. Maybe it's the way I'm leading. Maybe it's my fault. 
Okay? Then we take a look at our own lives and our style of leadership. How will you lead? Leadership by example. We just have a few things here that leading by example. Get your hands dirty. Do the work. Know your trade. In other words, be willing to get in the trenches with the people and get dirty. By example. I'm just going to go over these quickly. Some of these I'll hit again. But watch what you say. So important. Respect the chain of command. Listen to the team. These aren't these are some things I've found. Take responsibility. Let the team do their thing and take care of yourself. Just some things to think about as leaders in leadership. When you lead by example, you don't just push your team members towards excellence. Rather, you actively demonstrate that excellence. And so sometimes it's easy to try to push others to do things get things done, and, and you really need to work on this. You really need to do this. What about my own life? Am I working on something? Am I trying to improve my spiritual life? Or am I just okay with where I'm at because I'm in leadership? Who tells me to do that? Okay? Challenge yourself to grow, to, to push yourself forward. There's a quote that goes, and I don't have that here, but something like, the, the church will go no further than the leader itself, than the, than the leader, or something to that extent. So that's a challenge for us as, as leaders. The man who came up with the phrase, lead by example, he said there's three, way, three most important ways to lead people. By example, by example, and by example. Those are the three ways, Okay. A leader always inspires the world to move forward in the right direction. Leadership, this is a, a quote by Warren Bennis, leadership is the capacity to translate vision into reality. Leadership needs a vision. Where are we going? What are we doing? All of us, and I'm going to say this this morning, all of us are leaders in some way or another. Okay, we have responsibility. When you have responsibility, you're in leadership. And so a lot of these things pertain to more than just your church leaders. It also pertains to fathers in the home, to uh, school board members or whatever, okay? Wherever you're called. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Think about that. What does it mean to lead? Leadership is not a position or title. It is action and example. And I have an acoustic this morning with the word listen, I mean with the word lead, that I'd like to just... I'm not much of a writer here, but... Um, so as we think about leading this morning, I uh, put together just a four points here about leading that I think are important and are valuable as we think about leading. And the first one is to listen. James 1.19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. 
I think here's one verse that will help us be more productive professionally, spiritually, expand your friendships, help your emotional health more than anything else. When you listen and listen well. In our culture today, it's kind of the exact opposite. Everybody has, is quick to speak, post a comment. You can kind of do it hidden lay, you know, on Facebook or wherever. You, everybody's quick to share their opinions and their thought. We want to put our opinion out there. Someone said a good lunch is when I finish first. Because that means I was doing less talking. Okay. So I was doing more listening. Proverbs says that even a fool is wise when he refrains from speaking. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Have you ever been there and somebody's talking and you're ready, you just can't wait till he's done so you have an answer? I've been there. You know, I'm formulating this thing and I'm not really listening because I already know what he's going to say, right? Doesn't work to do it well with our wives. I found that out. Shame on me. In today's high-tech, high-speed, high-stress world, communication is more important than ever. And yet it seems that we devote less and less time to listening to one another. Just to sit and listen. That's a rare gift. Be willing to give it. Be willing to give it. It helps build relationship. It solves problems. It ensures understanding. It resolves conflicts. It improves accuracy. At work, effective listening means fewer errors and less wasted time. At home, it helps develop resourceful, self-reliant children who can solve their own problems. Listening builds friendships, careers, saves money and marriages. Listen well. Doesn't mean we don't speak at all, but we're slow to speak. Is this what I hear you saying? Maybe ask a question instead of give an opinion. Leaders think and talk about solutions. Followers think and talk about problems by Brian Tracy. Most of the people don't want solutions, but they want someone who cares. Maybe it's taking them out for lunch and listening. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a text. Maybe it's a walk. Simon Schrock said, servant leaders win the relationship, not the argument. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to gain the relationship. There's no, there's no, there's no glory in winning an argument. Tony Kaskin said, communication is to a relationship like oxygen to life. Without it, it dies. Talking about speaking here and taking time with people. Barack Obama said, it's important to make sure that we're talking with each other in a way that heals, not in a way that wounds. And I like that. 
how do you talk to people? Is it a way that heals? Is it bringing healing? Or is it wounding? Listen well. I think that's important. Number two is empower. As a leader, empower your team. Empower your people. And by that I mean we can't give them power. The Holy Spirit does that. It says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. But empower, encourage your team. Encourage your people. Bless them. Give them responsibility. Push them. Encourage them. Use them. You don't have to do it all yourself. As leaders, we don't want to do it all ourselves. We want to use our people. Encourage your team with personal growth. Minister's week, minister's meetings, reading books. Do things together as a team. I don't know how much you do as that. If you go out for supper together, go camping together, go to a cabin for a few days, play games, laugh, other than just church work. There's something that you learn about your team and also with your people. I understand you go as a church camping, right? You go to a place. We were just doing that last weekend. There's something that you learn about your people and your leaders that you don't learn anywhere else in those times. And I think those are so vital and so important. A ball game does wonders to a church, okay? In the summertime, we as a, a church, we do uh, a ball game once a month. We have a prayer meeting Wednesday nights. And so instead of prayer meeting once a month, we have a ball game. And I think that's just as valuable and as vital to our church as coming together like this. Now, no, we don't want to do away with this and just do the social stuff. But I think there's something that happens that we don't find out otherwise. You find out really who people, what people are made of. Once they start losing and the, it was such a close call and somebody called it out, it wasn't out. No, he made it. He was safe. And my other team member, we're sitting there in a circle, and, we're, and he's losing. And boy, you could just begin to see it. Well, it's just kind of fun. You know, they're, not, they're just normal people. Okay? How do they respond? And, and you begin to, to understand them better. And you begin to appreciate them. Because no, Jonathan doesn't have, always have it all together. There's times he doesn't. And that's okay. A good leader will bring the best out in his team and his people. Use them. We don't have to do it all. And maybe it's a work project. Maybe it's, yeah, as a church. Those are good things. Good things. Simon Schrock in his book, uh, he calls it fanning, fan the embers. I'm just going to read a little bit of what he has to say here.
page here. So when there's little embers, say you went camping and the fire went out overnight and there was just a few embers, what do you do to bring it back? You fan them, right? You blow on it. You, you make it come back to life. And that's, I think, our responsibility as leaders as well. In our churches, you, you see a little ember. It hasn't went out. You know, we can, we can fan them back into flames. Help that person. Encourage that person. Or we can do nothing and just let them go out. Or we can step on it and put it out. So let's be careful. Let's encourage. Let's bless and help. A smoldering wick will he not snuff out. A servant leader finds the red ember. He does not snuff it out. He gently and patiently fans it into flames that warm the church. That was Simon Schrock. And I, I appreciate that very much. Number three is admit... When you're wrong, I'm still wrong. Admit your wrongs. As leaders, sometimes it's hard to get up and say, I messed up. But you know, that's so important. As leadership, admit your wrongs, confess them. We, we're just normal people. Again, I'm going to read what Simon has in his book here that I thought went well with this. One dement, uh, a leader must never entertain the idea that his position gives him exemption from confession and seeking forgiveness. The servant leader must be willing to lead the way, to go the second mile, and to be the example of the flocking, seeking forgiveness. Leaders must make tough decisions. you want to get anywhere with leadership, be willing to take the blame, confess your wrongs, you're like an open book. That's just how it is. It'll take you a long way. Well, what will people think? The devil would like to come to us with that. What will they say? Look at him. He's got an issue. It's okay. How do you look at other people that have issues and confess it? You bless them, right? You encourage them. We're all in this together. It doesn't put us on a pedestal of some kind that we're, now we're above that. No. We're just as human and we struggle as well. Be quick to take the blame and confess. Number four is deliver. Um, I'd use this for lack of a better word. wasn't sure where to go with that, but do something. Don't just sit there. I see so many of our churches, and it just burdens my heart. They're just sitting there. Leadership can't get along. The bishop doesn't know what to do. He's tired. And they just sit there.
do something. I don't care if it's wrong. I mean, I do, but... And, and, and so when I think of Peter in this situation, Peter was a very outspoken man, wasn't he? And he? But he got stuff done. But he got into trouble, too, didn't he? Denied Christ. He was, it was a flop at times. But we think of Peter as a man that I'd kind of like to be like him, you know? He, was, he did something. It wasn't always right. But he was willing to confess it, come back to God, and go on. And that's what your church wants, man. They don't care so much all the time if you're exactly right. But do something. Deliver. Make it happen. It's in your lap. Okay? I was part of a team that it seemed like, well, like one man put it, he says, we're all in this bus and we're headed to a destination. The bus broke down. And that's where we are, beside the road and the buses. We're not getting anywhere. And it was shame on us as, as leadership, but he was exactly right. The bus was broke down. And it seemed like some people like when the buses broke down. They kind of like it there because they're not really, they're kind of in between. So you don't really have, you know, if it's broke down, you can't do much about it, can you? Because you're out there by yourself. Let's fix it. Maybe we can't fix it necessarily, but let's do something. Okay? That's my cry. A good leader is not passive. Turn with me to the book of Haggai. I'm going to read the first chapter of Haggai. I'd just like for you to stand if you have, are able, and we'll read this. <clears throat> and the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, and the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shetail, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Joshadek, the high priest, saying, Thus, saith the Lord, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it in, into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from the dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which ground the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shetile, and Joshua, the son of Joshadek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God did Sent, unto, sent him. 
their God had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetile, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Joshadek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. You may be seated. This story is an amazing story. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because of time. But this is the same general time period as Ezra and Nehemiah. The people of Israel had been in exile in Babylon. And they came back to Jerusalem and began to build the temple of God. And they had the foundation done and part of it. And they became discouraged. There's people that were discouraging and paying them money to quit. And, and they became discouraged. And they quit building the house of the Lord. And they went and took care of their own houses, made sure that everything was taken care of. They were taking care of their properties and everything instead of the house of the Lord. And the Lord was not happy. And he came. And it seems like he came here to the nation or to the, all the people of the nation, but especially to the leaders. Where were the leaders when this happened? Is my question. What happened to Joshua and Zerubbabel? that they just let it happen. I'm not sure. A good leader should have kept right on going. He should have instilled and, and, and inspired his people and been out there. And I don't know, I, I, I was thinking about this and as I thought about this, and it's kind of a, it's coming into our circles a little more, I think, and that is democracy where the people rule. Okay, so the people were tired. The people got discouraged. And what did the leaders do? It seemed like they just bent to what the people wanted. And I'm not sure that I blame all on the leaders, and I'm not sure that I blame it all on the people. I think there's a, a, a balance here. But I, I say to your, you people, uh, the, to... Allow your leaders to lead, okay? Yes, we need to listen to our people, but I don't think we want to go to democracy where the people rule, okay? Leadership is not, oh, there go my people, so I got to go after them. Leadership is showing the way, okay? Allow your leadership to lead the way. Doesn't mean they don't listen to you, but they might not do exactly what you say. But allow them to lead, to show a way forward. Okay. I don't think we do ourselves a favor by always saying that majority rules. Okay. Now maybe I'll get thrown out here, but that's okay. But be careful with that. I, I know we need to listen, but allow your leadership to lead the way. And I think that comes back to us as well in how we come to that, how we bring things and how we respond and how we put things together so i'm not totally throwing out that it's not our responsibility because i think here these leaders should have led the way and said and been inspired obviously they got tired of it too and it is it's tiring for a leadership when the people aren't with them they're discouraged and they're all down and out but when leadership gets discouraged how do we expect our 
people to get behind and do things. So, but I was blessed then. As, as the word of the Lord came, I think leadership took a hold here and took responsibility and led the way. And I like that. I like that. I think that's beautiful, and it's the way it should be. Not domineering, but being examples of the flock. They were having all kinds of excuses. And you know, God said, you're doing all this work. You're doing all this stuff, and it's availing to what? Nothing. It's always coming up short. And that's what happens when we do it in our own strength and not the way God has called us to. So more general, maybe, in responsibilities. Maybe before I go there, uh, in Acts 15, we have the account of where the church was having some controversy. And they were discussing this thing about circumcision. And, and they were together, and, and Dathan shared his viewpoint, and then Robbie shared his viewpoint, and, and Laverne did his, and then one of the other laymen got up, and they said, you know, this is how we feel. And then James stood up. And he said, men and brethren, hearken. And he gave a sense of what was going on and what should happen. And what did the people do? They said, yea and amen. And I just love that. I think that's the bishop's responsibilities in some ways out of the team's responsibility. Okay, so you sit together, and I think you have men's meetings. I was hearing that from Laverne and Dathan as I visited with them. And I think that's a good thing. And they hear what's going on and what's happening and, and how to do it. And then they come together and say, this is what we're hearing. This is, we think, is a good way forward. Okay? We just did that with our, our people about a few things. And uh, they brought things, and then we as a ministry sat together, and we said, okay, so this is, you know, it's not exactly like everyone thinks, and this is, there was a lot of, you know. But somebody has to put it together. Allow your leadership to do that. And bless them for it. Bless them for it. So a bishop responsibility, general oversight of the church. And I'll be closing here soon. But I, there again, we don't have to do it all. But be willing to do the hard things. There's some hard things that, going, that go with being a bishop. Or even just in leadership. We, I, I try to divvy out responsibilities. And at the same time, I try to do some of the hard things myself because I don't think it's fair to always make someone else do those. Okay? Plan your ministerial meetings, your men's meetings, and it sounds like that's happening here, and I bless you for that. Baptisms, communions, ordinations, bringing new members into the church, just some of the general responsibilities of a church leader. But communication in the team and trust is so vital. When we started there at Heritage, there was two of us, and so communication was easy. It was just two of us. I could just text or pick up the phone. Mary and I would talk, and, and then it was over, right? Well, now there's four. So it takes a little more effort. It takes a little more time until everybody responds. And, and, but it's still, I think, uh, communication is key. And trust. I'm just amazed at how God puts teams together. Okay? There's this one, uh, 
that is, he just has the gift of mercy. He just loves to be merciful and, uh, you know, just take your time, easy. The next one's like, chop, chop, chop. We got to get this done. We got to go. The next one, he's got it all organized. Got it all down pat. This, here it is, this, this, this. And, and so God puts these all together and he's, you're supposed to make it work. How's that work, you know? Does it happen here? Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> That's good. I love it. It's, it's great. I, but I see these teams that are struggling, and it has to do with those types of things. And I'm telling you, brothers, we need each other. I have learned that. I, I have learned that. Marion, my dear brother, co-pastor, we went through thick and thin together. But we're as opposite as opposite, could, you know, in some ways. Marion should be the bishop, not me. He's all organized. He's got everything down pat. I'm more by, you know, fly by the seat of your pants, you know. Oh, yeah, we're going to get that done. But, you know, a man like Marion, to me, can be a real threat to my leadership. Because he's got it all organized, and I don't. He doesn't forget things, and I do. He writes things down, and I don't. Does it sound like I need him? I do. But see, to me, it can look like he's trying to run the show. Because I'm pretty human. And so it doesn't work very well unless I trust Mary. And I love that, brother. I trust him. I had something happen one time, and somebody said to me, well, doesn't it? Isn't he just trying to... I said, whoa, whoa. I said, no. I said, I know Marion, and that's not Marion's heart. And I trust him. And we've talked about this openly. And he gets frustrated with me, you know, because I'm a little slow. And, but, you know, it's amazing how it works out. Sometimes when he, I need that kick and he gives it, it's good. And sometimes when I hold him back, it's good we waited a little bit. And it brings balance. So don't take it as a threat when someone brings something that looks like, boy, what's he trying to do? He's trying to run this show or what? You know, it's not about that, okay? It's about helping each other. God puts gifts together that are beautiful when they work together. We need each other. So let's trust each other. Not that we cover up for ourselves, uh, others, cover up sin or anything like that. No. But we have each other's back in the sense that we're, we're behind him. And we trust him. And we know what God's doing. It's beautiful. Team. Together, each accomplishes more. Okay? Together as a team, it works way better than we by ourselves. And I find it today, in today's, uh, in our churches, so many are feeling overwhelmed and, and getting tired. And, and I don't know, I don't want to uh, blame it all on the leadership team, but I think sometimes it's our own fault. Especially the bishop. You can take it all personal. And I've, I've tried to learn to remember that I'm not in this by myself. And so if someone comes and there's something going on, it's not about me. I got a whole team. We're all together. And we don't always see the same, but we're, 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 we're uh, 
can't think of the word I want, committed to working together. And so it's not on my shoulders alone. It's of the team. Okay, we're together on this. And so I think that makes a huge difference on the load we feel. Not that it's not responsibilities, but I think if we do that, it helps us. May God bless you as you move forward and uh, ordaining a bishop. I'll turn the time back to Brother Nathan.